Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Today, I am here with JJ DiGeronimo, and we're going to be talking all about sidestepping self-doubt. You are listening to Creating Wellness from Within, a podcast devoted to helping you live your best life through self-care and wellness. In each episode, we strive to offer you actionable advice and tools to help you on your journey towards greater personal wellness. I am your host, Amy Zellmer. I am editor-in-chief of Minnesota Yoga and Life magazine and the Brain Health magazine. Additionally, I've published four books on the topic of brain injury and concussion. I am passionate about yoga, wellness, photography, travel, and all things glittery. You can learn more about me at creatingwellnessfromwithin.com. Today, my guest is JJ DiGeronimo, and she works with women that aspire for more influence and impact. She provides action-based strategies to make their goals a reality. She believes the stories in our heads could be holding you in the current start. Understanding the common roadblocks for women while investigating personal hangups like fear, self-doubt, money, and self-assessments can be eye-opening as you work to unleash your next level of impact. Welcome to the podcast, JJ. Thank you, Amy. I'm so excited to be here. Well, what a great topic today talking about sidestepping self-doubt. And I mean, I don't think there's a single person on earth that doesn't have self-doubt, right? Like we all experience it. Even I feel like even the most completely like put together people that you think there's no way that they don't have confidence, they still have self-doubts. So um, I'm, I'm thrilled to jump into this topic and kind of dissect it a little bit. Well, I don't blame you. I'm working on my third book and I was just putting together a chapter because I feel like if you don't deal with what's happening on the inside, it's impossible to change what's on the outside. Mm, Definitely. Yeah. So where would you like to start, JJ? Well, I would just say that usually this is not top of mind, like, hey, let's just dive into my self-doubt today. That's not usually something that happens, but generally there's things that happen in your life that act as catalysts that put you back on your heels and might make you feel alone or unsettled or even defeated or depleted. And I think those are the times where you have to really think about what is happening in my head? How am I perceiving the situation? And I only know this because I I had to go through it. I had to go Mm -hmm. through that life. You know, some people will call it like uh, the tower moment you know, darkness of the night, all of these things, but it can just be crap that happens in your life. And sometimes, you know, you have to really take a step back to say, you know, why does this keep happening to me? Or gosh, I find myself in a situation that I don't want to be in. And, you know, instead of just plowing through it and getting to the next step, it often benefits us to really step back and say, all right, how did I get to this point? How do I feel about myself? How am I letting this person treat me? Or how did this situation come about? And how do I ensure it doesn't happen again? Mm -hmm. And when you do that, oftentimes it starts in your head and the stories you're telling yourself. 
Uh, and as an author that probably many of us listen to, Brene Brown, you know, she talks a lot about the stories and how the stories drive the action. Well, those stories are often created decades ago. And it could be something your mother said or your sister or your brother, your dad, your school teacher, you know, guidance counselor. We carry these stories with us for decades. Yeah. And oftentimes we're making decisions on those stories that are not even relevant anymore. Mm. I, and mm. you're so right. You know, I read somewhere, it's been a while since I've read this and I think it was a Malcolm Gladwell book, um, how our parents shape most of our money views, right? Uh. When we're very small, like totally unconsciously, the way our parents talk about money or spend money, um, it influences us, <clears throat> excuse me, at a very young age. And when you think about that and you think about other things parents might say or do, if, if you're, for instance, if your mother is very self-conscious about how she looks and what she wears, that, that like imprints on us and we carry that forward. And that's not even our story to carry, right? Like that was her story to carry. Well, and for many women that are working at some point and either stop working or haven't gotten to the level or won't get help at home, even though they're working 40 or 60 hours, it really does stem back to our relationship with money. Mm. And one of my favorite books is from Lynn Twist, The Soul of Money. And those are that book really forced me to dive into my money stories, like you're mentioning, you know, which were set at the age of three, five, 10, 12. Uh, and often are the catalysts for how we work, how we value ourselves, and what opportunities, relationships, and roles we go after. Yeah. And so, you know, what are some ways we can identify these stories? Yes, great question. So the one thing that I had to do, and I think probably most will have to do, is really create space to understand what we're saying to ourselves on a regular basis. Now, I kind of did this kicking and screaming. You know, a couple of people told me I should go to mindfulness classes, which I was like, well, why would you do that? I mean, that sounds ridiculous. Uh, and I've even tried about three to five times before I actually allowed myself to be part of a mindfulness training course, uh, which was based on John Kapatzin. And it took me about three weeks inside of that course before I truly understood what I was trying to accomplish. I mean, I brought my notebook, I brought my coffee, I was ready to take all the notes. And my mindfulness teacher, Suzanne was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to take notes. She's like, notes of what? I'm like, well, what I'm thinking you know, mindfulness. And she's like, yeah, no, mindfulness is actually letting go of your thoughts, not hanging on to any one of them. And I'm like, that is ridiculous. Like, why would you want to do that? I could have a very good thought I want to follow up on. And she's like, ay, ay, ay. I mean, you're, we're going to need some serious time with this child. So it wasn't until I pursued, pursued this mindfulness that I actually gave myself space to understand what do I have on replay? And uh, it took me a while to really figure that out because I think for many of us, you know, when you're first introduced to mindfulness, it's a lot more available these days. You know, they're, they don't really, I never really got the training of just mine, mining your thoughts, like mining, like mind the gap, mind your thoughts. What are you thinking? And then let it go, let it go, let it go. And when you do that, you definitely start to see repeats and patterns of your thought process. And unfortunately, most of it's not very healthier positive or supportive. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think, 
so many of us carry these thoughts, behaviors, patterns, and we're so unaware of them. Like we don't even realize, like they've just become part of us. Right. And it can be really hard to deprogram some of that. Um, so what are some of the ways when you work with women, what are some of the ways that you work through some of this? Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I had to keep a chart. I mean, I'm so math minded. I had to keep a chart. And at first it started on a piece of paper and then eventually my phone. But anytime I sort of mine my thoughts of what am I thinking about, the self-doubt actually is based on fear. So fear Mm -hmm. drives your self-doubt, drives your actions. And, you know, I had to really kind of peel back and say, okay, well, why do I have that doubt? And let's use the money, right? Oh, I'm going to have no money. I'm going to have no money. I'm going to have to live on the streets. I'm going to have to sell all my stuff. I'm not going to have a car. Like all of those doubts come from the fear of not having money. And so really kind of peeling back is what is what, what is the nut? What is the peanut? What is the pea that is really generating the self-doubt, which is then impacting uh, your actions or lack of actions. And so I think being mindful and managing and monitoring that is kind of the first step. You will see patterns. You only have, I mean, I had like seven common themes that kept coming up. And I think once you start to see it over and over, it's like, you then have to control it. And the way I control it is I just say, I got this. I got this. And oftentimes I say it out loud because you're not going to ever stop the thoughts but you can control whether or not you pay attention to that. Yeah. 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 And, and could you maybe even talk a little more to that? Um, you know, like you said, they're always going to be there, but it, it's up to you what you do with it. It is, it is. And knowing that, you know, there is some benefit to having these thoughts that are often in your ego, right? Your ego is there kind of to create, it creates a cushion, a protection mechanism. And there are many times that it has benefited me, right? But I think you have to be more powerful than your thoughts. And I think that was a huge lesson for me is, you know, I thought my thoughts were the engine, but really my thoughts are part of the machine. And I need to identify whether or not I want to partake in that thought. And oftentimes I have to kind of drop my energy from my head to my heart. And Now I can do it pretty quickly, but I had to start off saying, okay, why, why do I have this story? How does it make me feel? Where does it come from? And is it still serving me? And like, I had to go through this over and over and over again till now I can zip right through it where I can right away tell, like, is this a heart action or a head action? And I think I can just feel where the energy is coming from. But it's taken me, I mean, I think I'm on year five or six of this now. So it doesn't happen every hour or every day, but I really do try to keep more, be more mindful of what my thoughts are and how they're driving my actions. And am I working from a place of fear or am I working from a place of abundance? Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember learning quite a while ago about how fear of failure is actually often a fear of success. And we're fearful for what will happen if we are actually successful. Like, will that change our life? What what will that look like? Well, you know, will I still live here or will I have to move? Or, you know, like there's so many um, variables if you are successful, right? And 
most people think that they're just afraid of failure, but they're really afraid of that success. Yeah, I've heard that too. And I think for some of us, it's the relationships we're in right now. And how will that mm. person feel yeah. if I'm successful? Yeah. And I think for women in particular, they don't want to jeopardize something they have um, in fear of showing up as their fullest self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, will I still be with this person or will, you know, yeah, you're right. It's, it's just that relationship that you're in, whether it's with yourself or with someone else. And how is that going to be impacted? Like what's going to change and where's it going to take me? Yeah. And I'm even thinking of a woman that I know, like she, her, her mom was a single mom and she didn't want to be a single mom too. And so through fear of not losing that significant other, she really held herself back in a lot of capacities. And, you know, it really takes self-love, which is not easy. And it's not even a constant, but prioritizing yourself and, and really kind of digging deep and removing the guilt and figuring out how to share your gifts with the world is really the reason we're here. And I think, unfortunately or fortunately, when we were brought up from an early age, we think we're here to make money, buy a house, live comfortably, have children and all those things are part of the story, but they're not the end state. And I think you have a lot of people that are middle-aged being like, what, what is going on? Why do I feel so unfulfilled? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think it's starting to change. I think that story is finally beginning to shift. But I know when I was growing up, it was like, okay, you finish high school, you go off to college, you meet the person you're going to marry, you get married, you have kids, you buy that house, you have a dog. Um, and, you know, you just did it because that's what it was expected of you. And I do think that narrative is beginning to change. Um, you know, with my 25 years as a photographer, I, you know, I definitely saw it used to be 22 year old brides. And then it shifted to 25-year-old brides. And then it was mostly 30-year-old brides, right? Like, so I think we're starting to see that narrative shift um, culturally, um, which is good, right? Like, because I I just feel like as a society, it's always been like, no, you get married, you have kids, and you have that picket fence in the yard. Um, So, but how, so tell us some ways that we can shift and, and actually start to sideline that self-doubt. Like what are some steps we can take to do? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I think the first thing you can do for yourself is just acknowledge that your thoughts are not all of you and that you have more of yourself to offer than just what you're saying to yourself all the time. And, you know, for many women that I meet, they're very focused on delivery output, you know, helping everybody. And I think the second thing is like, how much time are you spending on yourself? Because we're often conditioned not to do that Mm -hmm. because that's not productive and Mm -hmm. you should always help others first. And, you know, especially, you know, I became a mom later in life and man, I thought it was so hard. I love my kids, but I'm like, holy cow, this is a ton of work. Um, So not only did I have a super duper global demanding job, but I had young kids and I think, All of that just sort of imploded on me because I felt so depleted. And I think, you know, really figuring out how to fill your bucket. And I talked to women about finding your fuel stations. 
And your fuel stations could be a weekend retreat, sure, but not all of us can do that. It could be having your favorite beverage and curling up on a chair and either watching a movie, reading a book, looking outside. I think carving out that time for yourself is really sort of recognition to the universe that you are going to prioritize your self-love and kind of getting yourself in the right energy zone. Now, I needed a lot more work than that, a lot more work. So I have met with like 50 energy practitioners since 2016. One, because I just love the work they do. And I think so much of our world can be healed by, you know, ancient wisdom, but also just trying to learn things that I could share with other women. And I feel like you could do all kinds of things from yoga to Reiki to Qigong to, you know, drumming to, you know, sing bowls. I mean, there's a gazillion things you can do to really feed and nurture your soul, but only you can put it on your calendar. And I think that's really the, the action is getting that time on the schedule to decide what it is that creates more self-love and prioritizes your energy. You know, and I think that we also have been cultured that self-care is selfish. You know, you're talking about how so many people like, you know, we got to put everybody else first, but reality is you got to put yourself first because you can't fill from an empty cup, right? It's just like on the, on the airplane, you, you put your own um, oxygen mask on before helping others. And somewhere along the line, we've just been taught the self-care selfish and that narrative really needs to shift because self-care needs to be a priority. And, and again, self-care isn't necessarily getting a mani and a petty that, that could be self-care, but self-care can also just be taking five minutes to step outside in the fresh air and take a walk around the block. Um, it's, you got to prioritize yourself first. And it requires a shift for most women because Mm -hmm. the guilt that they often feel initially is so overwhelming that they either talk themselves out of it or shortchange themselves on how much time they do it. And that goes back to a lot of stories that we were taught early on and how we value ourselves. And so guilt is a big, big piece of it. Yeah. So JJ, tell us a little bit about what people can find on your website. Your website is jjdgeronimo.com. And as always, we have a clickable link in the show notes. So wherever you are listening, you can click through and find JJ's website. But tell us a little bit about what they can find there, how they can work with you. Sure, sure. So my my business, much of what I do is write books and and, um, deliver keynotes, which I love. But in doing this for so many years and going to so many women's conferences, I can see that women need to step into their fullness more wholeheartedly. And this year, I started a new community together, we seek.online. And that community brings many of the energy practitioners I've met with, along with many of my friends together to share strategies, tools, and practices with women to help them find ways to get a deeper knowing of themselves. And um, you said that that's a community, like a, a online Facebook community or... 
Yeah, it's on uh, Mighty Networks. It's togetherweseek.online. And it's a way for people to connect. It's a safe place. There's no advertisements. It's really just a place for women to come together and learn different energy practices and meet light workers and find ways to tap into our our wisdom. Because I believe that women hold so much untapped wisdom. Mm-hmm. And you know who you are because you have this like fluttering of knowing there's more for you to uncover. And I feel like it's really a place that I need. And so oftentimes if I need it, I need to create it. And uh, it's been such a wealth of information, knowledge, and just a place to be seen and connect with women that are seeking. Awesome. Well, JJ, thank you so much for being here today. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Oh, I couldn't be more honored to join you. And I hope for anyone who's listening, if this resonated with you, that you just spend 15 or 20 minutes this week, just doing something you love. Mm -hmm. Thank you, JJ. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and please consider leaving a five-star review wherever you are listening to help others on their own wellness journey, discover this podcast. Thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.